Welcome to the Seed Time Money Podcast. We are your hosts, Bob and Linda Lodick. This is a hope-filled podcast that'll help you save, earn, give, grow, and actually enjoy your money. We don't hold anything back. We share everything that we've learned on our journey. Everything from being 100% broke, to paying off our house by age 31, to finding work with purpose, to giving more than we ever dreamed possible, all while having a blast on this adventure that God has led us on. And if you want to achieve true financial freedom and design a life of eternal impact, this is the show for you. We are so glad you're here. Let's get to it. So today we're talking about some of the three, actually, of the best investing lessons I learned from my millionaire mentor, which I'll tell you the story about him in just a minute. And also in a few minutes, I'm going to show you the results, the before and after of the lessons that he gave and as we applied them, kind of what happened afterwards. So going back to the story, do you remember this? A little bit. So yeah, it was about 16 years ago. It was a friend of mine reached out to me because he had a wealthy guy in his life. Long story short, he was offering to kind of coach us on investing. And I didn't know anything about it at the time. I didn't know how to invest. And yeah, but you were interested. Interested, but I knew nothing. Right. I was scared of investing. Yeah, and just knew nothing. And this guy was a multimillionaire. He was a teacher. So he was on teacher salary. And on top of that, he hadn't started investing till basically his midlife. And so I'm like, all right, well, if this could work for him, yeah. and I'm a whole lot younger. Why not see what he has to say? Right. So I remember going over to his house and we chatted for three or four hours and he shared everything that he had done, what had worked, what had worked well, what hadn't. And I remember taking notes and I remember just thinking, this is a great opportunity. Like, I do not want to miss out on Mm -hmm. what this guy is sharing with me. Like, it was a really special thing. He took the time to share all this with me and my friend. And, And I'm incredibly grateful that he did. But today in this video, I want to talk about three of those really important lessons that he taught. And there were a bunch that day, but three really big ones that I want to share. The other thing is that you had the foresight, like this was when we were newly married. I think you took a Saturday and went to go talk to this guy. And I was like, can't you just stay home with me? And like, let's just hang out. But you had the foresight to know that if we get this, if you spend a little bit of time up front, it was going to yield great results. Yeah, I didn't have that foresight. I was a little bit annoyed by it. <laughs> but, Why are you wasting your time learning about this investing but stuff? It actually was. It, when we can be watching The Office or what were we watching then? Was The Office on yet? Probably. Maybe not. I don't know. I mean, even still, it's like that's what so many people do is they don't have the foresight to see that if they put a little bit of effort in, like what it's going to yield yeah. down the road. Yeah. All right. So on to the first lesson. So the first lesson, he said that there are two things that most Americans waste their money on. And are essentially destroying their financial lives with with two decisions that most Americans make. And yeah, and it's it's affected me ever since he said this. And every single time I buy either one of these two things, I'm thinking about this. It's like a a loop playing through my head. Well, tell us what it is. I don't know. I want to keep you in suspense a little bit. (laughs) All right. So the first one is cars, our car purchases in America. And Mm -hmm. he absolutely convinced me and showed me some of the numbers and gave me his perspective on this about how the way we buy cars in America and, and not everybody but but most Americans are on this new car cycle where you buy a new car, you hang on to it for two or three years and then you trade it in and then you buy another new car and and it's just one of the most destructive things you can do for your finances because cars are just assets that depreciate really really quickly and what happens is you buy this thing, you spend $25,000 on this car 
and then the value of it goes down to about fifteen or ten thousand dollars over those three years. And they buy another new one, and you just keep losing all this money real, real quickly. Mm-hmm. Versus if you buy a used car, you know, somewhere in the three to five year range, you've already shaved off so much of that depreciation. And then if you own it for longer, a reasonable amount of time, your total cost for that car is going to be so much cheaper. Not to mention insurance prices are going to be lower. Uh, and there's a whole bunch of different factors here. But point is, is that cars are so important in terms of um, most Americans' long-term financial success. And yet, it's one of those things that we just love our new nice cars. You know. And if you can just take this one thing and just get over this a little bit, you know, and this was something that was like a big deal, a big transition point for us mm-hmm. because I just got comfortable with enjoying a used car. And we haven't bought a new car in a long time, but our last, what, four cars we've bought with cash. That's been really fun breaking out of that new car payment thing where we're always having a car payment. Mm -hmm. And so now we save up and we buy our cars with cash and it's really cool. And I will say, I mean, I think there's ways around the whole new car thing where I really like having a new car. He's okay with a more broken and worn in thing. You can buy older cars, like few year old cars that are really well kept up. That don't have rips in the seats or stains on the carpet that aren't disgusting. And also, a lot of times if you buy them from a dealer or just a really specific type of person, they (laughs) will be so clean you'll be able to eat off of the floor. You know what I mean? So sometimes that's the idea that we have in our head. It's like, I don't want an old car because I don't want something dingy and worn out. And while you don't mind the worn in kind I of I still feel, don't want to drive our dingy car. Like I'm but not. But no, yeah, we our cars have been nice is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. They have met my standard and I like nice things. Yeah. I don't like camping. I like to be <laughs> in a nice hotel. You know what I mean? And when I say nice hotel, I like a nice hotel. <laughs> there you go. There you have it. I'm not trying to, to be Linda a brat. Approves. But yeah, that's the thing is like sometimes you have to mentally get over the idea of what you have in your mind and actually look and see if you can find something that will meet your standards, yeah. right? Yeah. And part of that's just realizing that it's possible. It's possible yeah. to get a really nice car. Mm-hmm. And like a lot of other things, when you buy it used, you can get it for so much cheaper. So if mm-hmm. you want to drive a luxury car, mm-hmm. like you can drive a luxury car that's yeah. maybe seven years old, BMW or Mercedes or something like that. You can get that for probably close to the same price as a new like bottom of the barrel car. Right. And so... And chances uh, are people in those cars are taking care of them a little bit better. Sure hope so. (laughs) The second point that he talked about that Americans are really bad with that is costing them their financial futures is food. And basically or essentially eating out. If you look at how many meals most Americans eat out, it's just insane. Like the amount of money that we spend on food and especially when we can, we have the option to make food at home and save a whole lot more money and be healthier with it in Mm -hmm. most cases. It's just kind of a no brainer. Now we love eating out. It's one of our favorite things to do. But so the answer to this that we have is not don't eat out. It's not that, but it's understand that this is where a lot of your money is going. Mm-hmm. And use it as a filter. Yeah. And just be thinking about it as you're making a decision. Right. Because when you understand, all right, a whole lot of my financial potential is tied up in this thing. Maybe I can start making eating out a little bit more of a celebratory thing rather mm-hmm. than a every night because I just don't feel like cooking thing. Yeah. And when you change that, 
you know, that, that adds up to a lot. It might be 20 or $30 a week savings, which then becomes a hundred dollars a month savings. And then that invested over the long term becomes hundreds of thousands of dollars. Like, mm-hmm. and that's how you need to be thinking about that, about, about these small things that can turn into really, really big things. Right. And we were talking to a couple not long ago and they were saying, we just don't have any money. And they went through and actually looked at where they were, but sp- they had already been spending their money and they realized they had been spending what? Eight or nine hundred dollars a month a month on spending, and they were like Super really tight. tight. They were willing to make humongous sacrifices because they felt like they didn't have any money. And it was like this one thing opened the door to, oh my gosh, if we only go out to eat two hundred dollars worth this next month, that will free up six hundred dollars of cash for other things. You know, yeah. like just by disciplining themselves this much, but seeing the fruit of it immediately. I mean, that's what's so exciting to me about it. Yeah. And that's essentially what we've limited ourselves to. I forgot two or $300 in the budget for eating out per month. And it's like, and there's definitely nights where it's like, man, I'd like to go get food out tonight, but Mm -hmm. it's worth it. Because if we don't have that filter in place, if we don't have that wall in place, then again, we'd easily be the $800, $1,000 a month Easily. We have kids now that are like, let's go to Chick-fil-A. Let's go to... I mean, every time we pass Chick-fil-A that we would just... What does Oliver call it? Our two-year-old. <laughs> Our two-year-old. He's only... Don't turn Wait, him three yet. He's he only three? two. Okay. All right. He's only two. Anyway, yeah. It's pretty cute. He'll say Chie fries. <laughs> they got <laughs> him like, trained no. already. <laughs> We're not getting fries today. Yeah. All right, so that is the first thing, the first big lesson that I took from him was do not make these mistakes that other Americans are making or at least be aware of them so you can reduce and not make it as big of a deal. And the main reason here is because this all comes back to investing. If you don't have any money to invest, you can't invest. Mm -hmm. So the whole point is if you're spending every dollar on eating out or on having a new car or any number of other things that we can be spending our money on, then there's not any money to invest. And the point is we need some money to invest. And so this was kind of that first step where it really helped us free up extra money to be able to invest. Mm -hmm. Well, and really, I think the idea is you are not defaulting to whatever your momentary desires are. That's good. Yep. But you are actually telling (laughs) your money where it's going to go. And deciding what you want to spend on these things so that you can have money for other things. Yeah, you're being in control. You're actually being the steward of the money. You're Mm -hmm. actually managing it, making decisions about it rather than just letting your flesh in the moment decide where it's going to go. Right. You know what I mean? Because there's a lot of people who have said, well, I don't have time to do a budget or I don't have time to da-da-da, fill in the blank. When... In actuality, you're spending just as much time on your money (laughs) than probably more than Bob and I are. The difference is we are telling it where to go and people who are not using any of these strategies are spent time burdened by it and worried and freaked out by it. it's reactive. There's Mm -hmm. reactionary things that are happening. Yeah. But yeah, the point is like we're all spending money or spending time managing our money one way or another. Mm -hmm. It's it's just a matter of are we cleaning up messes? Are we doing this? Or are we doing it proactively? And I think you would agree it's a whole lot more fun to do it proactively. Well, it's just less stressful and not... I, I, yeah, I just feel way less stressed out, which to me is a big selling yeah, feature. Completely agree. Completely agree. <laughs> so on to second big investing lesson that I learned from my millionaire mentor, which is when it comes to investing, the downside potential 
there's a floor. It can only go down to here. So if I invest $100, I can only lose $100, okay? That $100, there's no limit to how much that can grow. It took me a while to understand that because I just didn't want to lose any money. So if I invested $100, like, I don't want it to go down to 90 I don't, I'm really, you know, nervous about that. I don't want it to go backwards at all. And I definitely don't want to lose it all. But you have to offset that risk with the upside potential and realize what's possible beyond that. When you understand that, that changes the game because then it becomes like a numbers game. So I remember reading a sales book many, many years ago. It might have been by my Zig Ziglar or something like that. And I was never a door-to-door salesman or anything. Honestly, I've never really had a sales job. But he talked about if you're doing door-to-door sales or cold calling or any of this stuff, like you have to count your nose. Basically, what that means is it's a numbers game. Like one out of every 10 people are going to say yes. And so instead of getting discouraged that five people in a row said no, you just keep counting those no's because you know, on average, one out of every 10 is going to be a success and say yes to you. And that gives you some encouragement because, you know, you can sit there while you hear no, no, no. And it's like, man, this is terrible. But you realize you got to believe and understand you're getting closer to that. Yes, exactly. It's the same way with investing, you know, and this is how I've looked at it when I'm investing in a particular stock without getting all in the details here. I have two different fundamental approaches here. One is the really secure long-term approach. And then with a small percentage of our investing, we invest in some stocks and some more speculative stuff. And with those stock investments, that's how I'm thinking about this. I know some of them aren't going to pan out and some of them might even lose everything. Like I've had probably two stocks I've invested in where we've lost basically everything in it. Krispy Kreme. Um, <laughs> we didn't lose everything in Krispy Kreme. We lost, <laughs> <laughs> it was Almost so 98%. I've, I've had like some decent failures with some stocks, but we've had some wild successes. Like one, the biggest one being 34x return on our investment. So you can lose 100% or... You can go up 3,400% in this case. That's what it was. And I'm so glad that I took that chance on putting that money in that stock. I had no idea what would happen. But to have it multiply by 34 times, like that's real, really cool. And you can lose multiple times and still come out way ahead mm-hmm. when, you know, something like that happens. That's great. The 34 times investment is probably made up for what we've lost. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Any investment, there is a chance to lose, like even in a savings account, whether or not your bank wants to admit this, there is a chance that you can lose your money and you have FDIC insurance and all stuff, blah, 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 blah. But hmm. there's nothing that is 100% risk-free. Now, Yeah, we, so if someone is telling you that something is 100% risk-free, beware, it's right? Not. There is no 100% <laughs> risk-free guarantee of anything. If your neighbor you know, comes to you and says they've got the deal of a lifetime and that there's no risk involved, right? Yeah, I mean... In some of this, there are people who will argue this fact. I mean, there are plenty of bankers who will say that a savings account has zero risk. But the point is, is that after 2020, like there's just no, <laughs> there's nothing that has no risk. You know what I mean? After we saw so many of the banks, big banks go under who are too big to fail, like there's just no mm-hmm. investment that is 100% risk free. So with all that in mind, like you have to understand that your money is being invested somewhere, like you're putting it somewhere. So you're either putting it under your mattress, you're putting it in a savings account, you're eating it, you're putting it on your body with clothes you're buying, mm-hmm. um, or you're putting it in something that might have a little bit more risk, but has a really big upside potential. My point in all this with this lesson for me was that once I understood, it's not like it can go down just as far as it can go up, but there's a cap on how far down it can go. But then the limit on how high up it can go, there's no, there's no limit. 
And when you see it that way, that's really encouraging. And I don't know, it just changed the game for me on how I think about investing. Mm. And the third lesson that he taught me that really changed a lot for me is like I just kind of alluded to a little bit, to start by building a really solid base foundation of low cost index funds, you know, long term investment that is very predictable, that has a high likelihood of growing at a predictable rate to really build the retirement savings or whatever the longer term financial goals are. And then on top of that, once you have that in place, then set some money aside to do some of the more aggressive or speculative investments. And that's some of the stock stuff I was talking to kind of fell into that category. And understanding that and approaching it that way is just a much safer way to invest. And it's also, again, one which you can sleep at night a whole (laughs) lot easier because there's a whole lot of people who don't know what they're doing investing right now who are running out, running into the most speculative things, cryptocurrency being one of them or day trading stocks or options or something like that, which are all things where it's like, I'm not against doing them, but it should be a small percentage of a portfolio. It should not be, this is the first investment I ever make is in this crazy unknown cryptocurrency that no one knows that somebody just made 100% return in two days yesterday. It's just... It's really risky, right? Yeah. And if, I think if, that's the thing. It's if just someone not wants my... to do that, they just need to know the risk involved, right? Yeah. And I think that's fundamentally it, is mm-hmm. that if you're doing it, just understand the risk that you're taking and that if it goes up that fast, it can come down that fast mm-hmm. uh, or faster. That's my biggest hang up is I'm seeing way too many investors who don't understand that. And they think, I'm just going to invest in this. I'm going to get rich and don't even understand or comprehend that there is a downside potential and that it's actually really, really big. So that's why I love laying this really solid, thorough foundation of much more stable investments, long-term investments as your base. And then on top of that, if you want to do some more speculative things, kind of go that route. Gotcha. Very helpful. And yeah, just for illustrative purposes, I want to show you this chart. I decided to put this together. I wanted to see what happened after I started doing my millionaire mentor taught me. And so I took the 10 years before and the 10 years after, and I'll just go ahead and show you how that played out. So as you can see, I'm really glad that we started investing. This has worked out really well for us. And uh, I'm really glad I allowed you to start investing. That was really good good on my part. (laughs) I'm glad that my wife and I came (laughs) to an agreement that she allowed us to take some money that she would have spent at the mall for us to start investing. It was a really good decision. I'm glad we did it. Mm -hmm, Me too. So over the years, I've been getting more and more questions about investing. And so what we did in April is we started building out our first investing course because we were having so many people ask about it. And I'm really, really excited. We had a first batch of students go through in April and May, and then we just opened it up again for fall enrollment. Mm -hmm. If this is something you want to do, if you want to get started investing, like we designed this course specifically for beginners and intermediate investors. So we go through step-by-step down to the buttons to press how to make your first investment on this more stable long-term approach. That's great. So for someone like me, it'd be great. Perfect Mm -hmm. for you because we literally show you what to do, what website to go to, what buttons to press, mm-hmm. everything we can possibly show as step-by-step step as possible. And then after that's in place, the plus package of the course, we go into some of the more advanced stuff. And these are a lot of lessons that I learned from my millionaire mentor of how to actually pick a stock and basically the exact strategies that we followed to pick that 34X return winning stock. We had another one that was 27. We've had a whole bunch of others that were beyond 10X. But the goal is, you know, we call it the course 10X investing. And the goal is to 
get to that point where you have an investment that will yield 10x. And cool thing is even the base foundation, the really much more stable and secure and predictable investments that we talk about, the low-cost index funds, over a long enough time frame, for most of us, that turns into a 10x investment as well. Mm. So everything in the course, hopefully, should be able to yield some really great returns over a long term. We'd love to serve you with this course. So if it's something you're interested in, you can just check out the course at seedtime.com forward slash 10x. We'll have a link down below. You can check it out. But the bottom line is my encouragement to you is to get started investing if you aren't already. There are a lot of different ways to get started. It's not that difficult. But if you want help from us, we would love to be able to help you with this course. If you have any questions, you can shoot us an email or you can send us a direct message. Shoot Bob um, an email. <laughs> shoot Lynn an email and we'd love to talk to you about it further that's all for today have a great rest of your day thanks for joining us on the seed time money podcast and remember money isn't the goal but it's simply a tool to help you fulfill your purpose and your calling and we'd love to help you achieve true financial freedom faster with our email newsletter so if you want exclusive money tips and hope-filled encouragement in your inbox head over to seedtime.com to get signed up knock knock who's there leaf Leave who? Leave us a review on iTunes, please. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening. Know we are praying for you, and we'll see you in the next episode. 